Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. And can everybody hear me? Can you hear me now? All right. Good, good, good. Remember that tonight we're going to have we're going to have something great as a church, and that is time together. Uh, if you meet here at 5:59, six o'clock, then what we're going to do is split up and go to restaurants, spend some time in fellowship, and then we're going to come back here for dessert. The church has already provided the dessert. We encourage you just to show up. And, and I believe that as you get to know each other better, it's amazing how we can do life together and uh, do it even better. Uh, I believe that today that the passage of scriptures and the message this morning, uh, as I always do, can play a huge part in your life um, for breakthrough. And to continue to mature, spiritually speaking, in the Lord. And I, I, I want to ask God to use my, whatever He's given me, to communicate that clearly. So would you pray with me on that? Father, today we know that you never change. And Father, your word has gone forth and it never comes back uh, void or, or without what it has been intended to do. And Father, today we, we believe that we're here for a reason, that we're not here by accident, we're not here by coincidence that we just showed up, but God, you have a message for us today. And God, that message is life-giving. And Father, we want to experience what you came to earth for, and that is to, to come to give us life to the full, to the overflow. And Father, as your children, Father, teach us today your word that we might do life better and more abundant and more to overflow for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. The last couple of weeks we've talked about uh, how bitterness can get a hold of our life. And if you remember, if you've been here, and if you're not the, the, the wonder of technology, you can go back on Facebook and, and watch those messages but we've been talking about from here to there. Uh, and the whole theme of this series have been, has been that when we understand that God has given us a wonderful gift, and that is called life. Everybody say life. life. Sometimes we get up in the morning and we don't even really thank God that we're breathing. But let me tell you, God has given us a wonderful thing called life. The, the story that I've used as an illustration is the long walk. And it was a story about a missionary that, that got a new uh, post. And, and as he was beginning to minister, one of the, the people of that area came up and, and gave him a gift. And it was a shell. And the shell was something of a gift, but he thought, well, that, that's nice. And he kind of put it on the, the mantle there. And, and until one day, somebody came to his house and said, wow, where did you get that? And he said, well, somebody that is in this area, gave it to me as a gift. And, and the story went like this. The guy that was looking at it said, you do not realize how rare that shell is that is given to somebody like you. Anybody that gets a, a gift like that, they realize that, that that gift is so rare because the, the people, the natives of this area, have to go a long ways to get it. They have to go through different perils. They have to go through uh, you know, areas that are considered just almost impassable. Then they go down by the water to get it finally and it's a beach that's made out of really lava rock that a lot of times they cut their feet very severe. So when, when you get something like this, it's very valuable. The missionary didn't really realize what he had been given. 
And he said, you know, the next time I see the gift giver, I need to tell him how much I appreciate it. The gift giver came to his house again one day and the missionary said, you know, I I just want to apologize. I don't really think I expressed how much I appreciate you giving me that and how much work. I I didn't realize how long of walk and how hard it was to get it. And here's the line that I want you to remember. The gift giver looked at him and said, everybody from this area knows that the long walk goes with a gift. Now this morning, as we're on a journey called life, and God has given us this wonderful thing called life, and as we're coming into a place of realizing that we're trying to get from here to there, and as we're on the path of life, there's all kinds of obstacles, and there's all kinds of detours that we can get into until we get to the point where we go, God, your word is going to be a light. It's going to show me the way to go. Until we get that determined in our life, we're always going to come to the point of being frustrated that we're always getting off track. This morning, as you know, in the weeks previous, we've talked about how fear can get us to walk in a different direction than what we should be. We're focusing on fear. The week after that, we talked about self-condemnation and how self-condemnation can get us in a place that all we do is think about the past, and we, we regret something that has happened in our life, and we continue to focus on the past and not on the present or on the future. The week after that, which was last week, we talked about jealousy. And this morning, again, let me just bring back to your mind, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, before we talk about this week, we're All these things are obstacles that develop and build into what? Bitterness. We're talking about bitterness from here to there. If we allow bitterness to come up into our hearts, all of a sudden it is so easy just to say, you know what, this is too hard. And we quit. This morning, if you're here and you're in a place where you go, you know what, it's just getting so hard. My wife doesn't understand. My boss doesn't understand. God doesn't understand. You're in the right place because we're going to talk to you this morning. Circumstances come and there's a a temptation, maybe even an invitation for bitterness to go, come on, come on over here. Sit down right here in this comfy seat and let me become part of you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. So this morning, realize if you have not understood God's grace for your life, it is the most important thing to realize as a new believer the grace of God. That how important it is for all believers to understand how good God is. The second thing it says is what we've been talking about. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness a root of bitterness, something that's underground. It starts underground. You didn't even know it was growing. You did, but you kind of let it go. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. We, We talked about jealousy and how it moves on another person to say, I can read their motives. I know what they intended on doing. And there's something about that that couples with, you know, jealousy couples with entitlement that's saying, I cannot be blessed if someone else is blessed. They they robbed my blessing. 
me getting a blessing because they're being blessed. Last week we talked about that and, and how it can lead to bitterness in a person's heart that begin, begins to contaminate inside the spiritual life and not make it productive. Now this morning, I, I want to preach about the, the last sermon of this series and the fourth in the series and probably one of the most, um, I, I would say, you could say it in our terms of today, it's trending. And it is the subject of disappointment. Now, just like all the rest of these, disappointment can lead to bitterness. But this morning, I want you to see the, the characteristics because it could be working in your life right now. And you go, Pastor, I didn't even know it, but that's right inside of me. I have allowed disappointment to get the better of me. This morning is a day that you go, you know what? I'm tired of that. I'm going to get free of that. This morning, as a believer, and again, to set the context of what we've been talking about, as we're maturing spiritually in our life, and everybody's maturing, just because you have a 50-year-old face doesn't mean that you've been in Christ for 50 years. Everybody knows that, right? You could, you could be a, an infant, or you could be you know, a, a senior, or a saint, all those things. It doesn't matter your physical age of who you are spiritually. So in a congregation, sometimes we think that it goes with our age. And Oh, brother, you've been in church for a hundred years and you're so... Well, I don't like anybody. Oopsie, you just revealed you're about one year old in Christ. You haven't got over the fact of walking in love with one another. So this morning, I want you to see this. As, as believers, as children of God, as, as really kings and queens in training... Brianna just loves that every time I say that. She's got that revelation. Here it is. You were born for tomorrow. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to think about that because before you disagree with me, I want you to think about this. I've been processing this all week that we were born for tomorrow. Yes, you were built for today and for this moment and not worrying about tomorrow and all that. But when I say that, I want you to grasp this. You are built to cast hope for tomorrow. If you think about everything that we sang about today, everything depends on the fact that God is who He says He is and He can do and will do what He says He can do. Let me say that again. All of the people from the right to the left, from the front to the back, as believers in God, is based on the fact that God is who He says He is, and that He can and will do what He says that He can do. Now, now the reason why I say that is because if God is not true, then Christianity is not real, right? Somebody went, whoa, I never thought of that. God says that He's the creator of the universe. If He's not the creator of the universe, then this thing that we're doing called Christianity and having faith in God is nothing. We're just believing a lie. But we have faith in God that He is who He says He is and He can do and will do what He says He can do. Everybody now with me on that? So what you could say is we have faith that God is going to do what He says He can do. And when He says that He died on the cross for us, that we might have everlasting or eternal life, that's tomorrow. 
We're believing by faith that He is who He says He is. Therefore, we can be part of what He says that He's going to do. We can be with Him forever. I, I want us to get that. Because without hope, you cannot have faith. Faith is being sure the things we hope for are certain of the things we cannot see. If you cannot have hope for tomorrow, you won't have faith. If you don't have faith, you won't have joy. And as a believer, that's where we get our strength. The joy of the Lord is... That, that's Scripture. That's not John Miller. You, you know that, right? The joy of the Lord is our... If you do not have faith, you can't have hope. Or if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you will not experience joy in your life. Now, now this is something that I'm building on, so stay with me on this. If you do not have joy in the Lord, you're going to be going, you know what, I, I just, I don't get it. And there's a lot of people that you can sit down and explain. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about somebody that doesn't know God. And they've never got the point that they don't have joy because they don't have hope in tomorrow. Watch what Paul says about the love of God. In Romans chapter 8, he's talking about nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, if you're a negative person, you're probably thinking, well, there's a lot of things. Paul is saying there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. He says it this way. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see the part where he says neither the present nor the future? There's no mention of the past? Now, now why is that? Because everything that we've been talking about that creates bitterness, if it's fear, if it's uh, jealousy, if it's self-condemnation, is all tied to the past. And I believe Paul is saying that he doesn't mention anything about the past, neither the present or the future can separate us. I don't believe that the past can separate us from the love of God, but I believe that it can make us unaware of the love of God active in our life. I didn't say that right because I didn't get the reaction that I wanted. All those things that are creating bitterness are tied to the past. Right? All those negative things, those obstacles from here to there are tied to the past. The past can keep us from not being aware of what God's doing right now, the love of God in our life right now. So watch this. As we begin to process this in our life, I've even began to think about this. As we're growing in maturity, spiritual maturity, I think that there's something about the, 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 the young in spirituality, the things of God, are tied. people are always able to dwell in the past. It doesn't take much capacity to see what you've already done, the bad, everything back here. But as you're maturing, I think I see people more and more move to the present. When they can live now. They, they can put the past behind them. 
But here's a whole other person. Somebody that can live in the present, but constantly be in the future. By faith and hope. Walking in love, even when somebody's not loving you. That's a whole other state of maturity. I kind of shared this a couple weeks ago that in football, I, I dislocated my elbow when I was in high school. Some of you are thinking last week when I was playing football. No, it's quite a few years ago. And, and I, I dislocated the elbow. And, and I said it like this, that the arm was still part of the body. It still was alive, but it was just at this point useless. I went to the, the doctor or the hospital and, and, you know, it was something that I couldn't even take off my shirt. That You know, come on. I wear a shirt every day. I take off a shirt every day. That's just who I am. I don't walk around without a shirt on. Okay, so I got a shirt on. I know how to put it on, take it off. I couldn't do it because of the arm. Dislocated, not working in its purpose of what it was created for. When the enemy can get you in a state of bitterness, when the enemy can get you disappointed, it's like you being dislocated out of what you were created to be. Mm. Disappointment is the child of depression. You could say it this way, it's depression in diapers. Now this morning, I want you to hear this passage. And if you got your Bibles, if you got your iPhones, this is one of the passages that I'm going to hinge it off of today, the sermon. Everybody get this. This is in the Bible. It says this in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. If that passage is true, which I think it is because it's the Word of God, and I believe that the Word of God is without error, then I can say that disappointment can lead to a spiritual disease inside of the believer. When a person, and this is why it's trending, is you can see that all of us have the ability to walk in disappointment. I didn't say that all of us, we know that all of us have been disappointed at some time. Disappointment is really just unfulfilled expectations. Everybody with me? Disappointment is unfulfilled expectation. This is what I thought was going to happen, but it didn't happen. I had hoped that that had happened. Do you hear the passage? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Spiritual disease can come into a person's life, and again, inside it begins to disintegrate what you believe in because of disappointment. Now, now let me say this. The circumstances in our life from here to there, when we understand that we're on this journey called life and all these obstacles, and one of them is bitterness and tries to get a hold of us, how we finish the race, or if we even finish the race, will hinge on how you handle and navigate disappointment in your life. Has anybody been on a sailboat? 
What they do is they raise the sails and they actually use the adverse wind to be able to navigate through the water. Can I tell you this morning? I I want you to hear this. You are designed for what's on the other side of the adverse winds in your life. I'm going to pay you later. You are designed for what's on the other side of the adverse winds in your life. See, it's how you adjust yourselves. It's adjusting your heart. It's coming to grips with trusting God, even in the point of disappointment. I was, I'm so disappointed because I'd hoped this had happened and it just didn't come true. It's trusting God. You know what? Disappointment is what people use to tell themselves secretly that God is not faithful. They never say it publicly, but they use the disappointment to say, you know what? God didn't work on my behalf. Here's how severe it is. Hear me. I've come to almost see this as a fact. I'm processing it. But I think it's almost impossible for a believer to experience the abundant life that God has come to give us if we can't navigate around this subject of disappointment. People that experience disappointment in their life will then they'll just say, you know what, this is all the further I'm going to grow in God. Matter of fact, I'm not going to risk anymore because I just was so disappointed that this didn't happen in my life. I'd believed God. I'd done everything. I, I, can I tell you that our God is a God of promises? Do, do you know how many promises are in the Bible? If I'm right, there are over 7,700 promises. 7,700. That's 7,700. All those promises are there for a reason. Now watch this. This is going to help change your life. After Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sin came into the world, do you know that God came forth in Genesis and gave a promise right there of a Redeemer? You could say every time that we mess up, God is there to say, you know what? Oh, it's not the end of the road. Don't give up. Don't quit. Even though you're disappointed, even though you messed up, I'm going to give away. I'm the way maker. I'm going to provide a way that you can come out of that disappointment and you can understand that I'm going to be with you. 7,700 promises if a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you understand what promises do in our life? Let me say it this way. If longing fulfilled is something that we're hoping for and longing for, has anybody ever longed for something? Let Let me say it a different way. I'm believing that unsaved loved one, my child, to come to know the Lord. I know that he and she knows the way. They're not living the way, but I'm hoping and I'm believing. I'm believing for that promotion at work. I've been believing and promising. God, I'm believing that I get, I, you can do more than exceedingly abundantly above all I could even ask or think. Hmm. If a longing fulfilled when you receive those things of the promises, the dreams that God has put in our hearts, dreams and desires, listen to this. If longing fulfilled is a tree of life, 
a part of your eternal purpose. Your eternal purpose is locked up in the fulfilled dreams and desires that you experience. Your eternal purpose. I understand this, that God is not a God that tries to tease you. Huh? I got a dollar. You got to be quicker than that. He presents promises to challenge and inspire us. I think that many believers, you know, sons and daughters, kings and queens in training, have refused or lost capacity to dream because of disappointment. They say, you know, I, I just, I'd rather not. Now, now, write this down. I'm going to say it a few different ways, but here's what I want you to know. Promises are an invitation of God into a relationship journey that together we labor to see things displayed on earth that reveal His nature. Promises are an invitation of God into a relational journey that together we labor to see things displayed on this earth that reveal His nature. Are are you ready for this? Because this is something that excites me and I'm reading this again this week, this passage, and I'm going, oh my goodness. I said, are you ready? Write this passage down. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. You might have been in church a while and you've heard this passage and maybe it's went in one ear and out the other. Maybe you said, Amen! But you really never got the revelation. I've been praying all week that you get the revelation to this passage of Scripture. It says, For no matter how many promises, 7,700 plus, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him... Now here's the, here's the part. That is amazing that He's done all that and He says yes. But here's the, here's the, oh my goodness. Ready? So through him, the amen. Does anybody know what really amen? Or you just been saying amen, didn't even know what it meant. <laughs> so be it. So when it says that God's good and you go, amen, so be it. You're declaring it, you're confessing it. That's right. I'm going to start over. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The so be it. Work with me. Think about it. Let the Holy Spirit start talking in your your own situations. The promises of God are yes before you even started breathing. But as soon as you started breathing and started realizing the promises of God, and you go, is that for me? Could that be possibly for me? God says yes. But here's the, here's the consequence. you got to say amen, and you become a co-labor to actually experience the promise of God in your life. Why is the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe could do it without us? But He chooses to co-labor with us in order for us to go, so be it. And then we co-labor with Him to see the promises fulfilled, to see the glory of God revealed on this earth. Holy cow! That is just heavy. we got to quit just being in the shallow end of the pool. 
that, that's all, that's good for everybody else. And I'm so glad. Well, I'm a little jealous for him. And don't like him because he kind of makes me scared. You know, whatever. That's for you. That's for me. Think about it this way. The children of Israel in the uh, Old Testament, God says, I'm going to bring you out of slavery, out of Egypt. And I'm going to, I'm going to take you through the wilderness only for one reason, is the wilderness is between slavery and what I'm promising you, the promise. The promise was a land flowing with milk and honey. That, that's a prosperous land. Everybody with me on that? Sometimes we get all caught up. Why is it milk? I kind of like milk in the morning, but I'm not. To... Come on! Work with me. It's a land flowing with TVs and iPhones. I, I don't know, in our world. It's a very prosperous country that God's saying, I'm going to give you. This is my promise to you. Are you going to say amen? Okay, I appreciate all of your amens, but I'm saying to the children of Israel, are they going to say amen and go in and appropriate? They're going to take by faith what God has given them? Or are they going to go, eh? See, you could say it this way. They come out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness. And we know that they're, they're singing songs and high-fiving. And now they come up after God has demonstrated His power through the plagues that were given and everything to show His power. Do you know that in Isaiah, let me read this passage real quick before I say this. I can paraphrase it. It says this, O children of Israel, you were created to show that my splendor to the world. So here they are. They're going to demonstrate the splendor from here to there. They get up to the boundary of the, the promised land and, and the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Ite brothers, they're all there. They're the obstacle that's going to keep them or they're going to have to go through them for the promise. Everybody with me? If you don't know, read Numbers. The book of Numbers. But here's the story. They get up and, and Moses picks the spies, the 12 spies, and sends them into the land. And God says, I'm giving you this. This isn't a, maybe I'm giving it to you. or No, I'm giving. It's a promise. Are you going to say amen? And so the children of Israel go, man, let's go in there and look. The 12 most influential men. They're, they're the tribal leaders. They're the people. They're the... Go into the land. Now watch this. When they come back, the Bible says that the spies, you know, we see Caleb and he's going, hey, we can do it. They will be bred to us, those giants. Let's go. But there's a group of them, which are 10 of them. And they say this, what you said, in other words, what God has said through you, that it is a land flowing with milk and honey, right on. It's awesome. Matter of fact, we even brought back some of the fruit. The fruit's so big that two men had to carry it on a pole. They didn't deny that the promises of God were true when, it, when they saw the goodness of God in the promised land, okay? But here's what I want you to see that goes with what we're talking about today. They begin to get their eyes on the things that are in the physical realm. That I know it's hard. It's a challenge for us. The, the Bible says it this way in Numbers chapter 13. As they begin to talk, they begin to say things like, the people that are living there are powerful and their cities are fortified. They go on to say things like this, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They have great size. They devour those living in it. We are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Now, does that sound like 
a group of people that understand and believe that God created them for His splendor? No. What has happened is they're not going to continue to walk in faith coming out of slavery into the wilderness to go to the promise. Because they get their eyes on what is seen and all of a sudden their whole mind begins to go. (sighs) And I wonder how many of them thought, we've been fooled. You could say that they had become disappointed in God. Even to this point, it says in the next chapter, they begin to grumble that night and cry and say, wouldn't it have been better for us to stay in Egypt or die out in the wilderness? And it says, our, our wives and our children are going to be put into slavery and all these bad things. And God says, how long will you grumble? In other words, how long will you complain that my promise is that I'm not a good father? He says, you'll get what you said you're going to get. Now, now here's the, the and, and stick with me, because the goodness of God is going to be talked about. But in this point, we're seeing people that would not choose to walk into it, the goodness of God. And the Bible says over and over and over and over again that we can have what we say. Here's the problem. We have what we've already said, and it's not good. Then we become disappointed because of this, and it's a crazy cycle. Until we think that this is reality. God always gives us a promise to get us out of the place where we're living in Egypt, even though Egypt, man, has some good cucumbers. You know, they begin to complain because they didn't have all the, you know, food. So God tempts us to get out there and believe for a season. Oh, I'm going to be a man of faith. I'm going to be a woman of faith. And then I'm disappointed. But if you, so many times, if we're not careful, we begin to speak what we're seeing instead of what we're believing in the promises of God. Come on now. Oh, I'm, I'm getting here. God gives us the promise, but waits for the co-laborer to say, Amen. This morning you might be hearing you say, Well, God's not answering my prayers. Well, change the way that you pray. Someone's here saying, He doesn't talk to me about what's in my heart. Then here's what I want you to do. Talk to Him about what's in His heart. Now now watch this. When we discover what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all of a sudden we go to His agenda and then all of a sudden we see how that agenda begins to bless us and changes our agenda. Can I say that again? Yes, Pastor John, you can say that again. Okay, I'm going to say it again. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I don't feel like my prayers are being answered, then change the way that you pray. You might be hearing, I I don't feel like he's concerned about my heart. You be concerned about his heart. You go to the place where you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then you watch how all these other things will be added to you. Now let me tell you, when disappointment comes in your life, and it's going to come, 
See, a lot of times people think in the, the non-believer will say, people of faith just say, yeah, there's no problems and I'm never, they, they deny, you know, that there's any problem. No, there always is going to be problems in our life. And you can't be around people that don't go, problem! Did you know there's a problem? There's a problem. I can see the problem. But today you're learning how to overcome the problem because we're overcomers in this world. Hallelujah, man. I'm telling you what, I, I'm so fired up and I, my brain's going faster than my mouth can talk. See, because when disappointment comes, it's not complicated, but it is a challenge. When, when problems come, the disappointment comes, you know, there, there's people that, are, that have prayed and the person you're praying for passed away. There's a disappointment. There's the tither that's believing that God will rebuke the devil, and something happens in your home. And you're going like, what happened? When you believe for the promotion or, or, or the next step in your healing and, and it doesn't happen and you go, you know what? What happened? All of us experience disappointment. It's not complicated, but it is a challenge. Here it is. When you get to the place of disappointment, only God knows what's tomorrow. You and I can't see around corners. We don't even know the next hour of our life after we leave this place. We, we can all agree, right? What we think is going to happen doesn't necessarily have to happen. Well, we're going to go out to eat. You know things can happen. It's not complicated, but it's a challenge to get along with God. Spend time with God and say, God, I trust you. And stay in that place until you realize what God is doing in your life. Let me explain it this way. So many times we, we come through things and we, we're disappointed and we see that things happen in a better way that we would have never even imagined that God brought us through. But the point is, sometimes people will stay in the disappointed stage. Maybe pride. Well, it didn't happen exactly. Have you ever walked with somebody and, and, and they, didn't, they were disappointed because let's say they didn't get a house you know, that they were believing for? And, and they, the, the, maybe the loan didn't go through or the people backed out of the contract and they go, God, what happened? And they stay in that disappointment and you try to encourage them and say, just hold on. God's got something better. No, I'm not going to listen to that. That was my house. I already had the pictures on the wall. I already had everything. But see, watch. The next step is the process of watching God provide even a better house for you than that house that you lost. And then you go, I'm still mad and disappointed. Or you say, God, forgive me. That's getting alone with God and saying, God, I trust your heart. See, sometimes we don't see the reality of what's happening right in front of us that God has a plan and it's not our plan. I love this illustration. I've said it before. Christopher Columbus came back from discovering America and, and the people around him started, eh, eh, that was no big deal. You kind of just stumbled on it. You didn't really do anything. And so he was at a dinner party one time and he had an egg and he said, okay, I want to ask everybody. I know that you've been talking about this and I just want you to pass it around and I want to see if anybody can stand it up on edge, on the end. And they all, and it fell over, fell over, fell over, fell over. It gets to him and he goes, and he breaks the egg and it stands up. And they go, we could have done that. And he goes, if you would have thought about it. I thought about it and I discovered America. 
understand that God says, I've got it under control. I'm still on the throne even though you're disappointed. All of us, I'm not saying that it is not legitimate in your life to be disappointed over things that happen. I've had things in my life that I'm I'm telling you. My father died in a car accident when I was a senior in high school. And I came home. I didn't even have a chance to say goodbye to him. Boom. Disappointment. God, what happened? We can all have our stories of how we were disappointed in one area of our life, somewhere in our life. But the question is, when you hear God say, this is my promise, are you going to say amen? Are you going to stay in the disappointment of whatever it was in the past? Now, here's what I want you to understand. That promises invite us to dream. Those who won't dream have lost sight of the promises of God. When we get breakthrough in our life, breaking through the disappointments of life, then again, we are allowed, we can begin to see God as God again. If you think about it, there's to, our, to the record, we only know that the disciples ask God, Jesus, for one thing, to, for the, Him to teach them. You know, wouldn't you think that the disciples would have said, you know what? Jesus, could you teach me how to walk on the water? Not the storm part. Didn't like that so much. But the walking on the water. Could you, that was cool. Could you teach me how to do that? The, all those things that they saw with their own eyes. But the thing that they asked Jesus, could you teach us? Could you teach us how to pray? Now, now some of us don't think that that's that big deal to pray. When we used to pray on Sunday nights for about 30, 40 minutes every Sunday night, the, Let me just ask you, you that did that, are you praying more now than you did back then or less? Don't be a a believer, a Christian, a son and daughter that has to be made to pray or expected to pray. This is something that has to come up inside of you to realize that here's the disciples and they see something on Jesus' life and they begin to go, you got to be kidding, did you see him? He was asleep in the bow of the boat when the storm was coming. How does he do that? And probably one of them says, well, he all the time is going to pray. Do you realize that the whole gospel of John, the whole overview of John, is that Jesus came to reveal the Father? It says that he didn't say or do anything that he didn't see his Father say or do. That's what we're going for as sons and daughters to reveal the Father. So when the people of our network groupings, you know, brothers and sisters and bosses and work associates, when they see us, they go, come on now, she's not that good. She's, she's got to be a Christian. God's got to be with her because there's no way that happens in everybody's life. If things don't change in and through and around you when you pray, change how you pray. When you allow God's promises in your life to be amen, and you see those promises fulfilled, people will begin to see the glory of God on your life. 
And the fruit that comes out of your life gives glory to God. Not the disappointment of staying in that stunted spiritual growth state. Let let me put it this way and then I'll wrap it up. And, And if I've got this, you need to go ahead and take a picture of this. When you go to bed at night, you need to pray and thank God. Thank you, God, for putting me on the team that is changing the world. I don't think we have it. So remember that. The second thing is when you wake up in the morning, here's what I challenge you to do. God, is there anything impossible that you want me to work on today? Let's pray. God, you are a good God. And so many times these obstacles from here to there get our eyes on the negative, on the the, the bitter things instead of on your goodness. And Father, when you have given us dreams and promises, the God that you're waiting, we are breathing and living today, been given the gift of life in order for us to co-work with you to see those things, those promises fulfilled. And Father, just like the tree of life, God, it gives us that abundant life to the full, to the overflow that the world cannot even understand. But God, because we're walking with you in this journey, the God that we can trust you, it's a choice that we make. It's a choice that we can co-labor with you or not. It's a choice that we can be bitter or we choose not to be. And Father, I pray for my family today. God, these wonderful people that are in training, kings and queens, that have an identity in you and a purpose that they can choose not to walk and stay in and disappointment and therefore depression and and then bitterness. This morning, I just want to pray because I believe where two or three are gathered that there's power because Jesus is here. I believe that whatever, when two or three agree on anything. So I I believe that as we're as a group, that we can pray for those this morning that has maybe experienced disappointment. You heard me, right? That disappointment, that we all have disappointment. But maybe there's somebody here today that has experienced disappointment and you're, you're having an issue of going forward. We want to pray with you about that. That we have breakthrough. That we can see God as God again. If that's you this morning, can you just let me know by raising your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. I'm just going to pray for us as a corporate body and for everybody. Yes, anybody else that just raises your hand and says, that's me. I've gone through disappointment. Okay. Just real quick, anybody else? I believe in prayer and I believe in the prayer of a righteous person. It's powerful. Anybody else? Okay, together let's pray. Let's agree in prayer for breakthrough. For these people, these really family members in our church. God, you are a good God. 
And Father, I pray for each one of these that have uh, experienced disappointment, maybe in the last few hours, maybe in the last few days, months, years, it doesn't matter. But God, I, I'm praying for a breakthrough that they begin to see you as God, that they can put their trust in you, that they can choose to get alone with you, they can set their sails against that adverse wind that is blowing, that they understand that the giants that were there in the promised land were just a sign of the victory that should have been coming. That God, these people that are here this morning, not only hear the wisdom of your word, but they process it and then they work it out, they do it, that they're not just hearers but doers of the word, and they say a breakthrough come. Now, Father, that we can experience freedom and liberty. Our spiritual growth continues again. A smile returns to our face. We begin to look long and expect for your goodness in our life again. I pray for each one of these. In your wonderful name, we pray together. Amen. Amen.